Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Praise God. I want to ask you this morning as we just open our hearts for the word this morning. I want to, if you have your Bible with you, I'd like you to open it. I'm going to focus primarily on one scripture. There's a lot of scriptures in my message today, as, as per usual. But really, the, the heart of this message was birthed from one portion of scripture, in the book of Colossians. And it's birthed from a prayer that Paul is praying for the church in Colossae. And I want to pick up on the heart and try and draw out the heart behind what it is that Paul is trying to communicate to the believers in Colossae. Because if we can catch that heart... If we can catch what Paul is meaning, we enter into a, 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 a greater expression and dimension in our relationship with God, a greater dimension of fruitfulness, a greater dimension of spiritual wisdom and understanding. So it's found in Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to start reading from verse 9. And it says this, For, the reason, for this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, and being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We'll pause there. We'll read that far. This is a beautiful portion of Scripture. It is a powerful prayer. You know, if you don't know what to pray for somebody, put those words in your mouth. Put their name in there. And you say, look, I want to pray for Nandi. I want to pray that you will give her the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that she may be filled with it. And you carry on, and you... This is a wonderful thing to pray. If you don't know who to pray it for, that's a different problem. Just pray it for me. I'd be happy to receive those prayers. There's a few things I'd like to point out from this portion of Scripture. The first thing is the word knowledge appears twice. And again, this word knowledge for me is, especially in the New Testament, in the Greek, understanding the various variations of that word and what it means is, once again, both instances here, that word is the word epignosis, which is divine knowledge. It's the knowledge that comes from God. It is the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of who He is, and it's His knowledge that comes to us by the Holy Spirit. It is always precise. It is always correct. It's, we call it revelation knowledge because it comes by a revelation of the Spirit of God. And he prays, Paul prays, that in wisdom and true spiritual understanding that we would receive through the knowledge of God, true wisdom and spiritual understanding, the result of which is that we may walk worthy of the Lord. Say the word worthy. That word is going to come up a lot today. In fact, I didn't realize that it was in our last song until I was just singing it now. I hadn't, I hadn't put those two together, but it's nice when they work out. We sing the song, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lord. Amen? That word, and, and so here in this scripture, Paul, Paul is praying that we would walk worthy of the worthy one. 
And this is the way that we fully please Him. I also like the fact that it says to fully please Him. Not like to half please Him, or kind of please Him, or please Him on a Sunday, it doesn't matter on a Monday. It's about this word fully is, is whole, it's all-encompassing, it means completely, not just in, in, in uh, totality, but also in essence, in, in pursuit, in desire, that my heart's desire is not to kind of please God, but everything in me desires to live a life that pleases Him, a life that is worthy of Him and His sacrifice for me. Our walk with God is always going to be based on our knowledge of Him and our understanding of His will. Amen? How can I fully please somebody if I don't know what they want? Any servant needs instructions. Anybody who is desiring to please somebody has to have an awareness of what it is that they desire. Otherwise, how can you please them? It would be like me buying my wife a blender for her birthday, which is coming up this week. It's not going to fully please her. It might be useful in the home, but it's not going to fully please her. You understand what I mean here? It's not just about, you know, oh, I brought something. It's about knowing the heart and the will of God. That we may be, and, and then where this starts breaking itself down in the rest of this passage of Scripture is that as we know God, and the more we know of Him, and the more we desire to please Him, the natural outworking is that we become fruitful. And, I mean, this goes right back to John 15, the, par- the parable Jesus spoke of the vine and the vine dresser, of abiding in Him, that you may ask whatever you desire that you may bear much fruit. For in this the Father is glorified, he says in John 15, that you bear much fruit. So the outworking is that we bear much fruit and that we further increase in the knowledge of him. And so our understanding and our knowledge grows. Experientially it grows. And so I have a revelation, I begin to walk in it, and as I begin to walk in it, more revelation of God is added to me, more of his likeness, more of my understanding is added to me. And so I'm, I'm better empowered and better able to focus and live out that which pleases Him. It also means that I become strengthened with all might. And it says they're not just natural might, according to His glorious power. That's really awesome. We've been talking about life in the Spirit lately, haven't we? What is that? That is life in His glorious power. In His grace and ability, He is El Shaddai. He is the Almighty. He is the All-Sufficient One. And the more we know of Him, and the more we are able to align our hearts and lives with that which pleases Him, guess what? The more we begin to experience and walk in His power, His grace, His divine enablement every day. And then it goes on to say, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Patience means to endure. Long-suffering means to suffer. Long time. For as long as it takes. And yet, when our hearts desire to live lives that are worthy of Jesus, we actually have a way of finding joy in the midst of the suffering. He adds to us a grace and a strength that enables us to endure with confidence of heart, 
with strength of resolve in our faith because of who He is. Not some ethereal idea, but of who He has become to us. And when that sets down deep within our hearts, we get to the later part of that verse we read, which is the third point I want to make, where it speaks about giving thanks to the Father. We started with the knowledge of God, which enables us to walk worthy of Him, and in so doing, as a result of all of this, we give thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. You see, God has qualified us to walk in this. It's not you, it's not me, it's not... We know this pretty well, right? We know it's not our good works, we know it's not our performance that qualifies us, but it is God alone, and that we gain this inheritance as a gift that God has freely given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so of these three points, I want to spend a bit more time focusing on the second one. What does it mean to walk worthy of the Lord? Does this perhaps seem like a daunting thought to you? Does this seem like quite a, 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 a high bar? I'd better watch my P's and Q's. I'd better be very careful of what I say and how I say it. I'd better be very careful of what I do. Am I, does this perhaps make you feel pressure? I've got to walk worthy of God. When I leave this place now, I'm the ambassador I'd better not step out of line. I'd better make sure my thoughts and everything are, are, are very carefully calculated and held on to. We both know, not we both, we all know that the only way to fully please the Father is to live a life that is worthy of the sacrifice that He made for us. In other words, Jesus. Jesus is worthy. And His life alone is worthy. The book of Revelation tells us this in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 to 10. I'll read to you from the New Living Translation. It says, And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood was ran, ran, has ransomed the people of God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? You see, our worth is discovered and found in the worth of Him who is worthy, who was slaughtered, that we could become a kingdom of priests who minister to God and minister God's heart to the world. You see, the life of Jesus is the only life that brings pleasure to the heart of God. And it has always brought pleasure to the heart of God. We remember when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan and He came up out of the water and the Spirit descended on Him like a dove. What are the words that came out of heaven? Matthew 3, 3.17 said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Well pleased. The Bible says that Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. And the wonderful inheritance that you and I have in Him is that we get to perpetuate and to fulfill that continuous joy of God by becoming more and more like Him, more and more like Jesus. Romans 8.29 says, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's beautiful. In other words, Jesus is the firstborn about all, of all the sons and daughters of God who get to come into this inheritance that brings blessing and pleasure to the heart of God. A new people that are empowered through a new life living within them to walk worthy of the Lord. To come into His presence as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Again, not through works, but through what He alone has done. The only life that has the capacity to please God is the life of His Son as that life reigns in our hearts and reigns through our lives. And this is the foundation of the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus came and He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. He came and preached the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. In other words, it's, it's at hand means it's within reach. My water is at hand. My Bible is at hand. It means that it's something we can lay hold of. It's something that we can appropriate and access in our lives now, today. And this is the foundation, this, this reality of Jesus and the nearness of Him, that it is at hand. You see, the kingdom of God is not about scope or domain. It's not about geography, even as Pastor Frank was sharing with us last week. It is about effectiveness. Pastor Frank shared about being an effective witness. Not just a witness, but an effective witness. A, wit a witness that is able to demonstrate what kingdom life looks like. They're able to experience the life and the power of God in the Holy Spirit and walk in it. It's about being a mouthpiece for God. Or I like the analogy of an action figure. You know, kids love to play with action figures. Every week when I see Andy come here, he's got a different action figure. His favorite toy that he's busy playing with right now. But you know what's interesting with action figures? They always behave according to the heart of who's playing with them. How many of you have seen Toy Story? Uh, Toy Story Chapter 3, you get this moment where Woody, who has always been fighting with Buzz and been delivering, you know, setting people free and beating the evil Emperor Zerg and who all these other characters are, but Woody finds himself in the hands of Bonnie, who's a little girl. And Woody's now sitting at a little table with other teddy bears having a tea party because Bonnie is now in charge. And Woody doesn't have a choice here, he's just a toy. I think that's why boys don't like girls playing with their action figures. They're not made for tea parties. They're made for breaking things and beating people up and, and so on. But you know, this is what I'm sharing with you is a lot like when we understand the kingdom of God, we understand that the kingdom is about the expression of God's rulership. Where my heart is surrendered to Him so that I can, in essence, be His action figure. That means I have to go and bash down a wall, okay, but generally it's, it might sometimes look like tea parties. <laughs> it might sometimes look like warfare. But what it means is that I get to be the expression of His heart. I yield myself to what He desires for and of me. To walk worthy of God means that I allow Him to possess my whole heart that I'm not resisting his leading, that I'm not resisting like an action figure that, you know, it's supposed to do this, but its arm is stuck. No, that I'm not resisting, but that he can have free will and free reign. 
Because the truth is, folks, we either follow God's plan for our lives and allow Him to glorify Himself through us, or we will follow our plans for our lives and end up using God for our glory. Because God is a generous God. God is a giving God. And this comes down to the true orientation and the attitude of our hearts. Look, we all want forgiveness, amen? We all want mercy. We all want the blessings of God. We all want the eternal life. But that does not constitute a life that is lived for His pleasure. So much of what we hear in the church these days is come to God and get. And you get all this wonderful stuff. And praise God, that is all true. We get healing. We get deliverance. We get salvation. We get all these promises. And it's wonderful. But that does not constitute a life that is lived for His glory if those promises and that inheritance does not find effective outworking in our lives, not just for our benefit, but for kingdom purposes that it honors and glorifies the king. You see, at the end of the day, folks, it is all about him. And although what I'm talking about in terms of a life that is lived worthy for God is lived out among people, it's lived out in the context of our circumstances and our geography, if you like, but it's not primarily walked out before men for their blessing or for their approval, but before God, before me, living among people before my God. Yes, it affects people, but it's not about people. I recently watched a movie that I really enjoyed. The movie's name is Greater. It's what it's called. It's about American football. And it's a true story about an American football player named Brandon Billsworth. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he, he became an offensive lineman for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And what happened was he was a really overweight guy, but he was a believer. He was a Christian. And this, this movie documents his life. Has any of you seen it? Greater? Well, go on. Then you've got, you got something to go and watch. He, it documents his life of how he came into, this, into, into American football, football into uh, 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 an environment which you know is uh, full of jocks and full of big... Um, Characters, each one trying to show himself better and stronger than the next. And it documents how he kind of lived out his faith in the midst of that. But there's one event that happened that really stood out for me in this movie. And it really spoke to me. It's really stayed with me ever since. The Razorbacks came, I think it was last in their division. And that was the end of the season. And then it was vacation time or holiday time. And this young man, uh, Brandon, what, what he would do is in his off time he would go into the gym all by himself. And there in the dark, he would continue practicing his shuttles and practicing his steps and practicing his moves to see what he could do. And one day, a new coach, a new coach was hired because they came, they came so low in the division. A new coach was hired, and he was coming out of his office, and he heard this noise coming out of the gym. And so he goes over, and he looks, and it's all dark, and he says, who's there? And so he goes, and he turns on the light, and there is this man, Brandon, standing in the middle of an empty gym. And the, coach, the new coach says, wait there. And he comes down the stairs. He comes to meet this guy, and he starts talking. He says, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm practicing, coach. He says, but it's off-season now. He says, I know, but I'm practicing my drills. And, you know, we came last last year. I, I, want, a better, I want a better season for us next year. I believe we can do it, coach. And they have this, this conversation, but eventually the coach makes a statement. He says, well, I suppose character is what you do when nobody is watching. And Brandon replied, 
Someone's always watching, coach. Someone's always watching. Someone's always watching. What a powerful truth. Perhaps something we forget from time to time. Perhaps something we neglect or take for granted. You see, for Brandon, this was not about just the football. This was not about what others thought of him or his performance. This was him living out his life for and before his God. He was doing it out in the football arena. And he was giving himself to be worthy of the one who paid his pri- the price for him. He was giving all that he could, and his greatest desire was to please God and to live a life that honored him. The truth is, folks, that God is always watching. We know that. Why? Is it so that he can reprimand us for our unworthiness so he can catch us out? No. No, a thousand times no. It's so that he can empower those who truly desire to please him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes out of the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 16, verse 9. The first part of the verse says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on, on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The New Living Translation says, To strengthen those who are fully committed to him. We spoke about, speaking here about full commitment, earlier on we spoke about a life that fully pleases Him. And we've got to understand that anything less is not going to be enough. God watches over us, and He is always watching so that He can make His power effective in our lives by the Holy Spirit so that you and I may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, that we may be His watching so that He may strengthen us with all might according to His glorious power in the midst of what we're going through with all long-suffering and patience with joy. He's watching over us as we give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers and to live this life that brings glory to our King because that is our only and our greatest desire. This is what life in the power of the Spirit looks like. We often think it's about the the acclaims. It's about the titles. It's about mighty things done for God. If God leads it that way, praise God. But if God leads you to just be a light and salt in your work environment in the midst of trying and difficult times, praise God anyway. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that you can be spent, that we can be spent this time that we have on earth to live lives for His glory by His grace, by His leading. That as we pour out ourselves, we are filled with Him. And the more that we pour out, the more of Him comes out. And the more of Him that comes out, the more of Him comes back in. This is is the heart's pursuit of every true believer. It resembles Jesus both in nature and in power. It leads to fruitfulness for His glory, and it leads to deeper spiritual knowledge that keeps growing and growing and growing. Jeremiah 15, 16, the prophet says, God, your words were found and I ate them. Why? 
so that I could have good success, so that I can have a prosperous life and a blessed business. No, because your joy, because your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Folks, you are called by his name, the name of Jesus. And God is longing to satisfy our hearts with himself. Do you know why? Because there is nothing better than he could give. What could be better than he himself, his presence, his righteousness, his glory? The brother of Jesus, James, gives us a warning in this regard. And we find that in James chapter 4, verse 8. I want you to understand when James writes this letter, he writes it to believers and he says, Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So here... You see, as I've been speaking to you this morning, and I see this in my life, I, it's, it's a grapple that every one of us faces. I mean, we see it in Paul's life, if you want to read the letters. This loyalty to God and a desire to live for Him, and the perversion that comes in as our loyalties to Him are divided through the things of this world, through our own, wanting our own comfort, through wanting status, through wanting power, through wanting position, resources, whatever it may be. But James here says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. In other words, wash your heart. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. That means I have a role to play in the management of the affections of my own heart. I've recently just finished reading the book of Deuteronomy. I've been so blessed by this book because it's it's the last will and testament, if you like, of, the, of, of Moses, who over all these years, you know, if you think about Moses' journey and how he chose not to be associated with Pharaoh, but what, he, he, he associated himself with God's people, with the people of covenant, so much so that he killed somebody and spent 40 years in the, in the desert, isolated and alone before God calls him through a burning bush to go and say, set my people free to Pharaoh. And through all his insecurities, the power of God, the might of God is, is shown in, through Moses to the people of Israel. And they come out of the land. They come through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. And there he, God and Moses are dealing with this people who are rebellious, who are unbelieving. And Moses stays with them for the entire duration of the 40 years that they spend in that wilderness. He's given them the law. He's waited upon God on their behalf again and again and again. He's instituted the temple and with all the sacrifices, and he's guided and he's judged this people for an entire generation. And now, just at the point where they are about to go into the promised land, in fact, if you read the end of the book of Numbers, God says to, God, God says to Moses, Moses, your time is finished. Joshua is going to be the leader from here. He's going to take it from here. And then the very next thing he does, he says, Moses, make sure the people know. And so Moses, the book of Deuteronomy comes, and it's, it's the heart of a man who is pleading with people, who knows what they are like. In fact, the sad thing is Moses is warning them. He says, do this, make sure you don't do that. And at one point in the book he says, I know you're going to go astray. I actually know your hearts are going to fail. Your, your faith is going to wane. You're going to be pulled aside. 
But you know what's interesting in that book? The phrase, take heed to yourself, comes up eight times in the New King James, ten times in the King James Version. Take heed to yourself concerning these things. Take heed that you don't forget what God has done. Take heed that you don't go after their gods. He says, be careful too, 14 times. There's no other book of the Bible that that has this number of, of warnings to say, take heed to your heart. Be careful that you remember. Be careful that you don't go down this road. This is the law. This is your God. Don't serve any other God. Be careful. Be watchful. Take heed. I'll read you one instance in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 to 10, where he says, Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And teach them to your children and to your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, gather my people to me, and I will let them hear my words that they may learn to fear me. In other words, be in awe of who I am all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. You see, God invited the nation of Israel to his presence, into intimacy, But the people of Israel weren't interested in that. They were interested in the promises. They were interested in this new land. And they moaned and they griped in the wilderness because things were uncomfortable or things were not easy. We see this in Exodus 20, verse 19 to 21. It's the incident God's referring to when his presence comes down. And it says, And he said to Moses, uh, Exodus 20, 19, They said to Moses, the people of Israel, you speak to us and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. And Moses said, don't be afraid, for God has come in this way to test you so that that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. In other words, your awe of him, your desire to please him, your accurate understanding of who he is, will keep you on the right track. But, as the people stood at the distance, Moses approached God with a dark cloud, or he approached the dark cloud where God God was. The essence of what I just have on my heart to share with you today is don't remain at a distance relying on the words of a preacher, of a video, of a YouTube, other. Because those things will never be enough to give, to, to, to enable you to live a life that is worthy of God. Only one thing is powerful enough to enable us to live a life that is worthy of God, and that is His presence. That is time spent in His presence, where His presence works inside to transform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Let the fire of God consume all that is not of Him in your life. Don't be afraid of the fire like the people of Israel. They wanted to preserve themselves. Moses was willing to be consumed. The Bible tells us when Moses came down from the mountain, he had to wear a veil over his face because he was radiant with the light of God's glory. 
allow the fire to do what it needs to do in your life. The fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Word of God, to consume every desire that is not of Him, to, to break the power of every sin and every addiction that is not of Him. The yokes of bondage, that the life and power of God may through, flow through you, so that your life is one, that when God looks down, He gets great pleasure, because that life is worthy of the sacrifice He paid. You see, every one of our lives is worthy in the sense that God counted you worthy to die for. God so loved the world. He loved you. You are worthy of His life. That is what God thinks of you. And we get the privilege of reciprocating with that. That you and I may be a purified vessel, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in demonstrating His kingdom reign as our knowledge and experience of His love grow and are exercised day by day. Be watchful. Be careful. What are the affections of your heart and where are they leading you? Are they leading you to a life that brings glory to Him, that is worthy of the price He paid for you? I think to close out, I'll do so with the... uh, The hymn that we're also familiar with, the old one, it says this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. What happens? The things of this earth that so easily come in, that so easily ensnare us, that so easily get us off track, that that titillate and entice us, they become strangely dim in the light of His glory and of His grace. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want us to sing a song. I trust you understand why I do this. Worship is one way that I express things to God. And and having songs that help me express my heart in this way, I find very helpful. It's a song we've sung many times. It's called Build My Life. And I want us to sing the song together in response to what God said to us this morning. Folks, this is probably a message that you've heard a hundred times in your lifetime of this kind of message. I understand that. But I have, I have within me this understanding that we are in a time of a new wine, where God is working a new wineskin to pour out new wine. And that means we have a role to play in that. That God is working among us. I cannot change your heart. The truth is, you cannot change your heart. Only God can. And when I ponder these things in my own quiet times, and when I'm praying with God, I realize that I am powerless to produce anything of worth. I am powerless to do anything that will make God do something on my behalf. The only thing that is in my power to do is to stand before Him. The same way that Adam and Eve stood before God, it says that they were naked and unashamed. Naked means, God, I've got nothing to bring. I am bare and open before You, but I'm not ashamed because You paid a price for everything that was bad and that was wrong and that was sinful in me, and You've clothed clothed me with Your glory. All you and I can do is cooperate with the Spirit of God and lay our hearts bare and come with a desire from deep within our hearts that says, God, 
I want my life to be one that is lived for your glory. I want this time that I have to be worthy of what you paid for me. That's what I can bring. And I believe when we do that, God honors it. God meets us where we are. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.